Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hello, Reverend, my friend. Mr. Brad Garoon, how are you today? I am wonderful. How are you? I realize today is a very important day in the history of my life. How's that? A year ago today... I had a bad experience drinking some local IPAs, and I said, I'm going to take a one-year hoppy beer sabbatical. And I just realized a few minutes ago that today's the one-year anniversary of my uh, IPA sabbatical. But you've had IPAs in that year. I have, and what I said was, the reason I'm not going to drink IPAs for a year is I'm sick of brewers that make beer because they can and not because they're passionate about making beer. Mm -hmm. and that they're innovating the process or doing something that sets them apart from other brewers. And so in that, when I did crave a hoppy beer over the course of the last year, I made sure it was a uh, a hoppy beer that was highly regarded or that I really, really loved. And so if I had 20 IPAs in an entire year, that would be a lot. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think that there have been some interesting IPAs um, Maybe they haven't come out in the last year, but I've tried them in the last year and really enjoyed them. Um, like, for example, Ninja versus Unicorn from Pipeworks Brewery, I think is a very good double IPA. It's not overly hoppy. I, I might need to try that. I'm not sure if I'm done with my sabbatical. Although, I don't know if you know this, I drink a beer every time we record the podcast. Yeah, everyone knows. You say it every time we start. <laughs> and right now, I'm, I decided that I'm going to break it. I'm having a River Horse Hop Hazard. Okay, I'm going to go into my kitchen and get myself a Founder's Dirty Bastard. That's not an IPA, but that is a wonderful, wonderful beer. It's, it's what just, I have. Hey, man, I'm, 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 listen, I'm fine with it. It's great beer. It's what, it's what I got. It's what I got. Speaking of what you got, any uh, any good burgers lately? An interesting burger yesterday that I liked. Um, I went to a place called White Oak Oyster Bar in Hell's Kitchen. It's actually just a few blocks from where I used to live, but in the two years that I lived in Hell's Kitchen, there was nothing in the space. And they're doing some interesting bar food, comfort food, including uh, an Angus burger that uh, uh, is topped with a really interesting spicy aioli, some good candied bacon, and then a controversial house-made ketchup. What's controversial about it, other than it's ketchup? Um, other it's than it's ketchup. ketchup and it doesn't belong on a burger. Yeah, so if you ask me, like, putting ketchup on a burger is is nefarious because I didn't get to decide whether or not to put ketchup on a burger. And I would always decide not to, but they're pretty precious about their ketchup because they, uh, their chef makes it in house and it's, it's uh, flavored with coffee and molasses. And, uh, so I, you know, I wanted it the way that they served it. Cause I've had, I've had, uh, burgers with ketchup. This is now the third time that I've, that I've in memory, um, allowed or ordered a burger with ketchup because the restaurant suggested it. I've had one bad experience, which I won't talk about, and I've had one good experience at uh, the Late Late. But uh, this was this was pretty good. Uh, I, in fact, I'd say I would almost say it was great. The only thing keeping me from saying it was great is they had this dish, this truffle fry dish, which I ate with one other person but really should have eaten with four other people or three other people at least. Um, it was humongous. It was uh, mozzarella, truffle oil, prosciutto, and this uh, Parmesan aioli. It was incredible, but I ate so much of it that just by the time the burger came, my appetite wasn't there. So bad planning on my part. I would like to go to this restaurant twice, once for that dish and once for the burger. I would absolutely 
recommend you go for the, the truffle fries 100 per- Actually, your plan is great. Go twice. Go once, <laughs> just get the fries, drink up. Go once, and maybe, maybe get like some wings, because you can order the wings by piece. Um, and then and then go back for the burger and uh, and get a side of chips with it. It was it was really it was a it's a pretty dope place. Brad, one of my favorite things about this podcast is I always walk away very hungry. <laughs> Do you have any any burgers you want to talk about this week? You know, I haven't eaten a whole lot of burgers uh, lately, and it's not because I'm on some sort of resolution. Uh, they've been doing construction in my apartment, and I've just not had the ability to eat the way I want to. But I have a question for you that's very very important. Does the appeal of a cheesesteak feel the same as the appeal of a hamburger? I have no real appeal or drive to get a cheesesteak at any time. So you're saying that you're saying that what I might crave or what somebody might crave when they want a cheeseburger is not the same as a cheesesteak. No, that's a totally different flavor profile. Have you had a good cheesesteak? Um, I've had one cheesesteak in Philly ever. Uh, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I had a decent one here. I can't remember the name of the place. It's in the financial district. It's a little chain. It's not. It's never been a big part of my life, so it's not something I crave. And no. And to answer your question, I don't think it's the same craving. Obviously, it's funny though. It's bread, beef, and cheese, and sometimes onions. How different uh, is that? A taco is bread, beef, cheese, and onions. It's a different mm-hmm. thing. It's a different bread. It's a very different bread. A cheesesteak is hero bread, which often is like not so great. Uh, I think you're having the wrong cheesesteaks. Anyway, I ate a cheesesteak last night. It was delicious. And after I got done eating it, I realized that there are days that I crave cheesesteaks and there are days that I crave hamburgers and they are not the same, even though they're pretty darn similar. That's crazy, man. That's A, your craving situation makes total sense. And B, they're not the same. Like the way that the meat is prepared makes it taste different. It's a different mouthfeel. It's a wholly different shape of meal. It's like saying, actually, I'll even go one step further. I sometimes find myself eating the same thing for breakfast and lunch, technically. So for breakfast, I get the same wrap every day. It is a holy tortilla, and on it is turkey, uh, low-fat Swiss, egg whites, and avocado. And for lunch, I get a salad, which has egg whites, avocado, broccoli, uh, and turkey. And like sometimes walnuts. It's essentially the same ingredients, but it's served in a completely different way. It's tiny little variations, and it makes it a totally different meal. And I only recently – I've been doing this for a year, and I only recently realized that I'm eating the same stuff for breakfast and lunch. That's amazing. Well, I think that's a great segue to our conversation today with Shay from home in Charleston. He certainly puts together some very, very weird items and some very, very weird burgers. And even though it might only be you know, a difference of this ingredient or that, they are all very, very interesting. So let's, uh, let's segue over to Shay and let's talk about some weird burgers. Shay McDonald is the chef partner at Home in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, for those that don't know, Home is a burger boutique, a uh, self-proclaimed ping pong lounge and neighborhood bar located right in the middle of Charleston's dining and shopping district, uh, otherwise known as King Street. Uh, Shay's also the founder of Flag Day Burger and Beer Festival, uh, which is a celebration of local chefs, restaurants, craft beer, and, of course, burgers. Uh, the festival is a fundraiser for the Charleston Animals and Society, uh, which last year raised more than $6,000 for the cause. Uh, Shay, what does a well-respected chef feed his newborn baby as their first real meal? Uh, that's a that's a good question. We haven't gotten there yet. Right now she's uh, strictly on uh, breast milk, but I'm sure her first meal will be something, you know, a little maybe some pureed butternut squash or something a little more sophisticated to, you know, get her geared up for what's ahead. Do you actually put time and think about this? What she's going to eat? Well, as her first meal. I mean, that's an important first well, meal. You're a chef. Yeah, I, I think I've probably thought about it before because then you have to think about things like 
allergies and how she's going to develop after that, you know, after those foods are introduced to her system. So, yeah, I've definitely thought about it. Do you think about these things when you're designing the restaurant menu? Uh, not necessarily for her aspect, um, <laughs> but definitely, I definitely put a lot of thought into what the menu items are, um, you know, making the flavors work on a level that, you know, matches up with a burger and, and still keeps the integrity and the intention there. But screw allergies, right? You're going to appeal oh, yeah. and everything. All right, go yes. on. If you got allergies, you got to let me know. <laughs> All right, Shay, let, let's talk about the Flag Day Burger and Beer Festival. What's the hardest part about running and organizing a food event? Um, just getting the whole thing together. It's it's definitely a labor of love. Um, you know, we started it. This will be our fifth year this year. My wife and I started it. And just, the, just trying to balance, you know, getting the beneficial end result for the for the low country pets and not spending too much on the front end um, you know trying to trying to bring that together making sure everybody has a good time bringing more people every year but then you know definitely the the biggest thing is making sure we have enough money to to donate to the animal shelters and help them as much as possible what was the impetus for starting the festival my uh, wife and I saw an ad on Craigslist uh, for a a shelter in North Carolina that was basically going to euthanize their entire, you know, everything, everything they had was going to be euthanized. So we traveled that day. We went to North Carolina, and we, we saw the conditions that these animals were living in, um, the dirt, and just, you know, it was just horrible. It was heartbreaking. And it just gave us a whole new outlook and respect for what we have in Charleston and the, and the great places that don't treat their animals that way. They're going to they're gonna keep their, those animals until the day they die or until they're adopted and they they care for them, they love them, just, you know, just made us realize that we should try to do something to help that. And for, for those who, who are not familiar, the uh, organization that Shay and his wife work with uh, are also sort of well known for saving the dog with the duct tape around her muzzle, uh, who is the first Caitlin on social media. That's right, yep. Did you get to meet Caitlin? Uh, I met her a couple times. She, she was supposed to be at the last Flag Day Festival, but it was just too hot, as I think we all remember. Uh, but she's been at a, a lot of events, and she's definitely a local celebrity. I have to say, because I've attended the last couple of years, and one of my favorite parts of the festival is actually socializing with the animals. D don't get me wrong, the beer and the burgers are wonderful, and I do enjoy hanging out with you, but <laughs> socializing <laughs> the dogs is pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. Do you know uh, how many dogs have actually been uh, adopted be directly because of the event? I don't know the number offhand, but I would say, uh, you know, because of that event at that day of would be, you know, a couple dozen throughout the years. But there's also been, you know, maybe evidence to lead that they've had bigger pushes on their adoptions shortly after that. So every year, you know, your festival is getting a lot of press from local papers and websites and TV. And you guys don't use a PR company for the event. So how do you make all that happen? It's, uh, it's me trying to do everything through social media, um, utilizing it the best we can and you know, making making the connections, uh, networking, you know, finding a lot of sympathetic ears that are, are willing to help with this cause. How in the, in the community have you built up relationships with those outlets? I think, uh, especially with the restaurants, the, uh, you know, bringing together, you know, it's a food town and there's a lot of burger restaurants, but the fact that they're all willing to work together on an event like this instead of work against each other, um, you know, that circle of people and then the outer circle of people that, you know, maybe they do some PR work, but they're going to help me with it for free just because of what the event is. Um, and then, you know, the, the guys at Holy City, you know, just 
the way that they put forth their time and their location and a lot of things. Just, you know, a lot of people that want to help out when it comes to animals and having a good time. So let, let, let's talk about home where you were the chef now and actually you were the chef before as well. Uh, the culinary and dining scene in Charleston is, you know, it's very highly respected and it's growing more every day. Um, in fact, it's kind of turned the town into like a culinary destination and Anthony Bourdain even just did uh, a, a new episode of Parts Unknown on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're doing uh, from a culinary standpoint, what sets you apart from all the other restaurants and chefs there at, at home? Well, not even really what sets us apart. It's what makes Charleston so great as for a food town is that, you know, you're, we're a burger restaurant. And, you know, looking from the outside in, somebody could think, well, you know, it's a burger restaurant. But we're going to – we have to do everything top-notch. We can't – you know, there's nothing frozen. Uh, we make everything in-house. We get our buns from a local bakery. That's the only thing we don't make. So it's just the mind frame of, you know, taking the burger but treating it like a filet mignon, you know, making sure that this restaurant is still representing itself as a great restaurant with great staff, great service, great quality of attention to every little detail and putting out fresh, delicious, tasty product. I've been in Charleston many times, and I've seen there's a lot of food down there. There's a lot of great food, yourself included. Do you feel like sometimes chefs overdo things just for the sake of the show, or is it really necessary? Like, What's your sort of take on where people are going with culinary explanation right now? I've yeah I've been here for 20 years and I've seen the over the top yeah for the sake of the show and it's backfired a lot of times but sometimes if it works you know if you're re- reaching that customer that is expecting that is looking forward to that and is satisfied with that it'll work um, as far as doing it just to do it it's going to happen because a lot of times you know for a chef it's maybe sometimes it's just for their own sense of amusement or sense of ego. Um, as long as they're not, you know, hurting their brand, it shouldn't really hurt anything. Like with us, you know, we've been known for great burgers, but people look forward to uh, crazy menu items, funny names, over-the-top ingredients. Um, it just kind of works, you know. It, it can work well if that's the process in which you're working towards, I guess. So if somebody walks into the restaurant, they're ordering a burger. You know, you could tell them that it's locally sourced. You could say that it was, you know, hand patted. You could say that it was freshly ground. You you could say all these things. Do you feel like any of those words, which are both descriptors and marketing terms, does that resonate when somebody sits down at the table? Do they talk about this to you or to the servers? Um, <clears throat> I have a lot of people ask me, you know, similar questions to that nature. Um, I feel the only way it really makes a big impact is when somebody is looking at the price of something. You know, if they're, you know, if they, if they just, you go to McDonald's, you know, you're not looking to spend $15 on a burger at McDonald's because you know, you don't want to know where it came from and you're okay paying that price for it. I think a lot of times in different restaurants, those those different words that put into, you know, the description of a, a menu item just help increase the price and help justify the price. Um, for us at home, we don't really do that because we want, you know, we want everybody to have a juicy, delicious burger, and that's their end satisfaction. You know, that we're looking for. So then, if that's the case, how do you guys determine the pricing at at home? Uh, it's funny you mention that because we we're, we're we we're just switching accountants right now, so we're going through the the costing again. But it is, you know, it's based on just the old standard of what we pay for it, um, what we need it to fall in line with 
you know, the overall cost of the restaurant and try to keep it fair, reasonable, and approachable. You mentioned earlier that you know you use social media a lot to, to drive audiences to the event. Do you think that social media has been a good driver of customers into the restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially you know the way I use social media, you know, on a, on a personal level when I'm looking at things like you know something like Instagram, you know, that enticement of a food picture still still works. Um, you know, Facebook has its pros and cons. Um, as far as business pages that you know don't really hit the mark the way they used to, but uh, I think it's definitely a way to connect with the customer and you know bring that excitement to them. So given that there are a lot of food bloggers out there that spend a ton of time not just you know creating amazing pictures, which you and Home both have on your Instagram account, but also putting a lot of effort into growing the Instagram audience. Mm-hmm. Are you putting a lot of time and effort into you know growing your your following? Um, we have a PR company that works with the restaurant that is, you know, that, that's what they're definitely working on. Um, I'm, I'm still new in, in as far as the relationship with them right now, but I like that, you know, my own personal Instagram page and the flag book or the uh, flag day burger and bear festival page are, are separate, and I, I work on them all the time. I try to keep people interested. I, you know, hopefully, you know, recruit the. Uh, the local following, but also the national following as far as keeping people's interest and just interacting with people and getting to network and see what other people are doing and keep that conversation going. So, Shay, if you if you post one of these crazy dishes, and we'll get into that in a second, uh, on Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever, or, or the restaurant posted on a Sunday morning, how many people come in that day asking for it? Is it that immediate? Does it take a couple of days? Like, what's the, you know, how does that work? I think that goes back to the uh, the over the top kind of showpiece that we were talking about earlier. It it definitely happens if it's especially if it's a you know an older menu item that maybe it has followers and they miss it. And sometimes you know you just bring things back to kind of to keep people interesting, to keep them coming back. But yeah, there's definitely times where where somebody will see something on Instagram and the server will come back and let me know that you know this person could be here the minute we opened or you know, shortly thereafter. It happens pretty quick sometimes. I know that following, you know, you and home on social media is, is like, you know, it's like following the food beast or BuzzFeed food or Thrillist. It's like a constant stream of crazy food like the uh, the bacon chocolate fritters, uh, brunch rolls, the Tower of Moo Moo, all that kind of stuff. Where do you get all these crazy ideas? It's, you know, I've, I've been asked that a lot of times. People think there's weed involved, but there really isn't. Um, it's just... <laughs> It's just, it's something I feel lucky with as far as, you know, I've had 20 years of fine dining experience. Um, the last place I worked at in, in Pennsylvania, I was allowed to do whatever I want. And a lot of places I have been able to do whatever I want. But it's that freedom to kind of, you know, sit back from something, take a look at individual ingredients or just, you know, pick things apart and put them back together and research it and just let your brain just kind of kind of flow and have fun at the same time. And that's really where home has been great for me because it, it brought that fun aspect into everything. So I can take the the 20 years of knowledge of fine dining and, and you know great ingredients and then use that on a burger as a vehicle to kind of tell that story. So what's the most fun, crazy, weird dish you've made? Um, we're actually <laughs> we're trying uh, a Wednesday thing. We're calling it Way Over Wednesday. And I'm, I'm kind of pushing myself on a regular basis right now to 
come up with something crazy, over the top. Um, I had a hot Asian, a uh, hot Asian surf and turf was the name of the burger, and it was, you know, a regular patty but it topped with uh, tempura shrimp, you know, soy glaze, and uh, maybe that's not the craziest one. We did a quesadilla as the burger, um, man, all kinds of different. It's hard to really pin pinpoint just one over the I mean, top one. I, 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 it's it's tough to say. I I know you. I've been to the restaurant. I follow you on social media. I can see why you're having trouble picking one because honestly, it feels like everything you come up with is crazy, insane, and weird. And so, I, I don't want the listeners to think that you don't have an answer for this because seriously, follow Shay on social media, follow Home on social media, and you will see it is just a stream of ridiculous, ridiculous items. Um, with that, Shay, I want to talk about one particular dish. Uh, now I've had the pleasure of of trying the Chef Shea Hurricane, so oh, yeah. I know how insane that is. Uh, but I think the listeners would appreciate a description of the burger and also the story behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good story. That was a a story that kind of started it all for me at home as far as uh, getting to know our clientele and what they were looking for. So the Hurricane Burger, you know, take a, a six and a half ounce patty and we flatten it out and we stuff it with goat cheese and duck confit, wrap it back up, you know, sear it off like a regular burger. It's got a onion vanilla relish, steak sauce, and some uh, onion rings that put three little onion rings on top. It's supposed to be the center or the eye of the hurricane. Uh, but for me, where I grew up in western Pennsylvania, we had a lot of uh, tornadoes that came through that area. So as a kid, you'd always hear stories of like a, a, a two-by-four that went through a brick wall. Uh, the first summer we opened home, we were threatened with Hurricane Irene. So that turned into my head a uh, cow or a duck going through a cow. And that's how we ended up with a duck confit stuffed burger called the Hurricane Burger. And it's been one of our, you know, standard bestsellers ever since then. When you come up with these wild burger ideas, how many of them remain on the menu and how many of them would you say are usually just LTO, limited time only uh, menu items? Um, you know, it's, we do a new menu every four months, so quarterly. And throughout that time, uh, you know, a lot of the specials are, you know, just experimenting with what could be on the next menu. Um, we've gotten to the point that people get really upset if I take something off the menu. So we've gotten a little pickier and choosier on what leaves and stays. Um, I left for a while and I came back, and it's almost kind of like a greatest hits menu right now. And it just made the clients very happy. Um, but there are still some items, some, you know, people will come back that maybe visited Charleston two or three years ago They'll come back and ask for something, and we'll, we'll try to do our best to provide that for them. Cool. And then how do you promote the limited time items? It would just be social media, and it's, sometimes it's just for a day. We don't, I don't like to run specials too long. I like to you know, change it up a lot. So it would be a big social media push. Um, a big one is uh, this cow egg that we do for brunch. And um, you know, sometimes this is going to be a limited item as far as it's going to be maybe every second Sunday of the month it will be available. We only make... A dozen of them, and once they're gone, they're gone, and it uh, it'll bring a lot of people in. That, but they have to come in early to get it. How do you like? Obviously, you're promoting on social media. We've talked about that. How do you promote these limited time items in the restaurant? We do have flyers, um, but as far as limited time, you know, it's flyers are mainly for uh, you know specials that are going to last a little longer. Basically, just the A-frame up front and the servers. We have to have the uh, the servers knowledgeable about being able to sell these things and communicate to the to the clients of what's going on and how long we're going to have it. 
I feel like dining at home and trying all these burgers is akin to somebody who collected comic books or action figures or, you know, needs to have every CD from the band, <laughs> their favorite band, uh, that it, where it's like, you know, we're doing these crazy chocolate bacon fritters. Well, I got to have that. I haven't had that yet. Let's go. Yeah. Over today. yeah. We have a lot of loyal fans and we're, we're grateful for them. And it's, it's great seeing a lot of familiar faces and it's also great. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm, I can kind of sit at the bar sometimes and no one knows who I am and I watch them, you know, maybe for their, from out of town or whatever, and they, they sit down they take a bite of a burger and they're just, you can see their mouth like, oh, holy crap, this is awesome. It's just one of the better feelings in the world and it's nice that people get so excited about it. Why have all these crazy menu items? Why not just have one menu and stick to it? It's nice to accommodate the locals. You know, we when we opened home... Um, it's in a part of town that there was really nothing else there. There was a couple college bars next to us, um, but this our part of town was really underdeveloped, and we were just waiting for it to be developed. So, what we relied on were locals. It was uh, you know the people that lived in that area. They became friends, you know, family like, and to be able to change the menu often enough to keep them entertained and interested and excited, but also you know, for the, the rotation of tourists in the season, you know, when people come back from year to year or, or season to season, they, they get something new and exciting when they come back where they can get their a lot of their old favorites. I just love that your answer had nothing to do with money. <laughs> 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 Although I'm sure that's very important and you guys think about it. It, it definitely yeah. me. Um, you kind of said this earlier, and you, you can expand on it here after I wax poetic, but... People aren't looking to eat a hamburger or a taco or pizza. They're looking for a sensation. And I feel like what you're doing with the menu there and the things that home does is you're 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 telling people about the good time they're gonna have and you're giving them experience they're looking for. You're not just like, Oh yes, I need to eat, so put food in my face. Do you, do you think that feeds into how you guys think about the restaurant and the menu and the, the energy of the place? Absolutely. The uh just you you nail it with the energy of the place. I mean, it's you've been there. It's it's brightly colored. There's a lot of uh, a lot of things happening. It's it can be really exciting at times when it's busy. But to give a customer that you know, we know that we have a great burger. It's seasoned well. It's seared well. And just to get their excitement going on when they read just the ingredients or the names or the descriptions, and they're going to tell people about it. And whenever somebody asks where I work. Now, say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the chef at home, the burger boutique, and they're like, oh, you have that place with the hurricane burger, right? Like, people just know that those those things carry on past the uh, the restaurant doors. That's awesome. And what is the number one selling burger on the menu? Uh, it might be the Cowboy Killer right now, which yeah. is a, a all-smoked, a reference to the old uh, Marlboro Man, Cowboy Killer, but it's an all-smoked burger. We smoke the burger, the smoked bacon, smoked tomato aioli, smoked gouda, um, I think that's about it, smoked on it, but that's definitely one of our biggest sellers right now. I like that. That's really clever. So before we wrap up here, Shay, we always ask uh, all of our guests the same series of questions. They are burger-centric because we, all three of us, are burger guys. I think it would be very interesting to know, what was your favorite burger from childhood? My favorite would definitely be the uh, LB's Big Boy, um, just for, uh, it's just awesome, just a great burger. I wish I could go back and have that burger again. Sadly, the last time I was home, the LBs was shut down in my hometown. Um, but I'm still kind of nostalgic. Well, for other reasons, you know, Big Mac. Big Mac will still remind me of being a kid and waiting up for my mom to get home from her late night shift, and she'd, you know, 
bring us McDonald's and Big Macs on the on the way home. So, yeah, I have a lot of feels for McDonald's for the same reason. But let's talk about Big Boy for a second. Brad and I are both from Michigan, so we are also uh, famous or familiar with the Big Boy. Brad, what was the Big Boy near you? It was just it was just a Big Boy. Yours, uh, yours wasn't uh, Elias Brothers. Nope, just a standard Big Boy with Big Boy sitting outside with a statue and serving. Uh, lots of good greasy food for after football games. Yeah. So all right. So that's when you went to Big Boy after football games. Shay, when was your when was your Big Boy uh, experience? It was there was a, a mall about 20 minutes away from the house, and it was for us it was LB's Big Boy, and uh, that was our usual stop. Anytime we did like Christmas shopping or um, any special occasion that need to go to the mall, there was a LB's there, and we always have dinner there. For me, it was Sundays after church. Big, we'll, have, we'll have to we'll have to wax poetic about big boys uh, off offline here. Uh, Shay, what was the last burger that you ate that was not from home? Ooh, all right, that's a tough one. Um, I might have to go with uh, Hardee's. I'm still a fast food burger guy. I love them. Um, Hardee's has done a really great job with their burger product, and uh, I don't know. I still get a craving for them. Is there a Hardee's in in the CHS? Yeah, yeah. There's two of them. Wow, okay. And uh, Shay, what is the one piece of advice you'd give to people in the food marketing business? I would say uh, feed the uh, concierge and the bellboys at your local hotels. They've, they've done a lot of uh, word of mouth for us, and it's it's been working out great with the new developing area that we're in. I love that. We've never gotten anything like that before on this podcast. That is so specific and so awesome. <laughs> They're just—they're great for word of mouth. I mean, that's what customers are gonna, you know, interact with at the hotels the most, and we see a lot of turn back, turn so around you, from it. So you just walk in the front door and be like, "Can I speak to the uh, bellboy?" Or how does he? How do you do that? Yeah, we'll go down. We'll walk down the street and kind of talk to him, and we'll take an order. Maybe every two weeks we'll take an order and just feed them and let them, you know, remind them who we are and where we're at. That is awesome. Shay, tell tell our listeners here where they can find out more about you. Uh, HomeCharleston.com. That's H-O-M, no E or facebook.com backslash Flag Day Burger and Beer Festival. And are you currently allowing people to submit burger ideas? I'll definitely have that conversation with anybody. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Brad, <laughs> you, you got one for Shay? Yeah, I've been uh, working on uh, It's weird. I just got an email. Someone asked me to uh, come up with a burger idea for a contest, but I'll just throw it Shay's way instead. Are, are you going to do this, or we have to do it offline? No, we're going to do it offline. I don't want everybody to know. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, you look. You can look for the debut of Brad's Burger on Shay's uh, Instagram sometime in the future. Yeah. Shay, cool. Shay, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for giving some great insight on how, how people can uh, come up with some crazy ideas, limited menu items, and promote to a, uh, a local crowd. It's been really, really, really great talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.